Second down field, scans downfield, fires to the end zone, it's intercepted! Picked off by Nolan Turner! And the Tigers are not going to be dethroned tonight! They'll punch their ticket to New Orleans! Welcome into the Locked On Clemson podcast. Smitty here with you. We've got Will Merritt joining us shortly with his reaction to Clemson's 29th victory in a row, and it is a big one. The Tigers lock in another trip to the national championship game. This time they're heading to the Big Easy, but what wasn't easy was the game over Ohio State. The Buckeyes came ready to play. They were focused. Ohio State had a terrific game plan. The team athleticism was there. But to paraphrase Dabo Sweeney, Ohio State could prepare for what Clemson could do, but not for who Clemson is. And it seems like the Tigers were able to will themselves to the championship game with a 29-23 victory. We'll hear from Dabo Sweeney as well. Fascinating game to break down. 12 million viewers took in. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense because you've got the defending champions in Clemson, and then you've got Ohio State, one of the biggest brands in college football, and you've got star power like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Just an absolute magical night, and Clemson ends up on top. One of Clemson's great victories. And we'll hear from Will Merritt and get him to rank this victory in Tigers history because, as you may know, Will Merritt, not only an all-ACC performer at Clemson, played under two head coaches, but also has been friendly with every staff since and grew up a fan, uh, dating back to Charlie Pell and Danny Ford. So a few people have a better perspective on Clemson history than Will Merritt, who lived quite a bit of it. And if you take out the national championship game victories, how many are bigger than this one? A program in search of its fourth national championship in a second in a row. And I don't know how many victories were sweeter than this one for Clemson fans. A lot of credit to Ohio State, but more credit to Travis Etienne, the adjustments at halftime, the big plays from Isaiah Simmons, and Dabo Sweeney being the motivator that he is. Here's a little bit from the head Tiger himself after the game. Well, I mean, it's just the DNA. Of, I mean, it's just our program. I mean, it's not just this season. I mean, that's what we're – that's just – it's how we're built. I mean, we, we've, we're – it's one of the things I told them at the half. I thought we took their best punch. I mean, we, I don't think we could have played worse, and, but we took their best punch, and it was 16-14. And my message to them at the halftime was we got to find a way to get the lead, all right, in the third quarter, because uh, when we take a lead in the fourth quarter, we finish. And I, I think we're now 102 when we take a lead into the fourth quarter. Uh, 102. So that's not just this year. That's a that's that's just who we are. Uh, it's just what we do. We finish, and uh, that's the mindset. That's the DNA of our program. And so that's everything. That's your off season. That's your spring practice. That's how you meet. And that's your that's. That's your camp. I mean, it's, it's how you practice every week. Uh, that's all of that stuff. It's your staff. It's the leadership. It's the development of leadership on your team. Um, it's culture. That's what it is. And uh, it's awesome to see. They're already in French field goal range. And Lawrence, thought one, 
Dumps it over the middle. ETN in space. ETN to the 10. Reeves. Touchdown, Tigers! A championship drive from the defending champs. You're listening to the Locked On Clemson podcast, the most exciting 25 minutes in podcasting, especially exciting today after Clemson has punched its ticket to another national championship berth. Of course, there's plenty of wood left to chop because LSU is going to be waiting in New Orleans. We'll bring in Will Merritt now for his reaction to this game. And Will, of all things, watched this game, Clemson and Ohio State, with so much on the line in the Buckeyes State. Um, yeah, so I came up here I came up here the day after Christmas uh, to visit some friends and um, stayed up here for the ball game, um, decided not to make the trip out to Arizona, um, which I had been out there multiple times, but I decided to stay home since it was so close to Christmas, and then I came up here to visit some friends, and it just turned out that the house that I'm staying at, um, every single person to a, to a man and to a woman graduated from Ohio State. <laughs> so, so there's like a, there's a, we're in this basement with this huge flat screen TV and they got all this food set up. And so I go be bopping down to the basement to watch the game. You know, I got my, my Clemson shirt on, got my, my orange hat on and I go down and it's just a sea. I mean, a sea of scarlet and gray everywhere <laughs> I turn. And so I'm like, well, I'm definitely outnumbered. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, which, you know, that's difficult for me at times. And um, so we're sitting down there, and, of course, the, you know, the, the first quarter starts like it does. Yep. The first half goes, you know, and I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh. And, of course, they're going nuts, and they're cheering and, you know, and I, I mean, what can I say? You know, I mean, I can't say anything. We're getting it handed to us, you know, and so I'm just, just being quiet. I, I think I went to the bathroom like 34 times just to leave the room for a minute, um, just to just to try to clear my head to make sure that I, I didn't say anything. Well, then one of the funniest things happens. So there's this one guy, and he is just, I mean, screaming at the TV, and every time Ohio State makes a good play, he's like, see, you're not playing in the ACC anymore, baby. You're not in the ACC anymore. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm just going to bide my time. And then and then, towards the end of the third quarter, they took the lead. He said, you're not playing North Carolina anymore. This ain't North Carolina. This is Ohio State. <laughs> and so when we won the ball game, I said, man, I'm glad we weren't playing North Carolina. I said, they gave us a whole lot better run than y'all did. <laughs> and so – of course, then my mouth starts running, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it was – I was definitely in enemy territory. I don't know if that was more difficult or playing like in Doak Campbell when Florida State had the number one defense in the country. Um, you know, I'm not sure what was more of a daunting task for me, sitting there with my mouth shut or going against, you know, Corey Simon. Well, I can't. I can't. You know what, Will? I, I was going to ask you this because you and I – you know, we had just talked and – we we thought Ohio State probably couldn't match Clemson's athleticism. And maybe you can argue that they that they couldn't. But were you surprised, maybe through two and a half quarters, what Ohio State looked like? Their DBs did a really nice job against T. Higgins and Justin Ross most of the game. And, let, and let's just face it, one of their best DBs got knocked out of the game with the, with the, yep. with the spearing call. I mean, if, if he's still in the ballgame, man, I, I thought, in my opinion, that was the most well-prepared solid defensive approach that Clemson's offense has seen to date. 
Mm. I thought that they were in position. Um, you know, they, they mixed up their man coverage versus press man versus free man. They, they mixed up their zones. They brought blitzes that I don't think Clemson had seen uh, this year. Um, I just thought they were well prepared. And, and I thought that, you know, Clemson was guessing a lot in the first half offensively of what to do. Um, now, granted, um, as they settled in and as this offensive staff of Clemson started to see what Ohio State was doing and what they were trying to disguise, then obviously you see the quarterback draws that they had been holding in their pockets, uh, the, dump, the jump pass to ETN that they had been holding in their pocket, um, the short slants instead of the deep crossers, um, little things that Clemson's offense and that staff, Coach Scott, Coach Elliott, Coach Streeter, I'm sure Dabo had a lot of input. You know, they started to take what Ohio State had given them in the first half and use it against them in the second half. And I really think that's why the offense was clicking um, on a more balanced schedule um, than in the first half where it was just a chess match that, quite frankly, Ohio State was winning. Yeah, and what about Trevor Lawrence and his ability to run? Maybe maybe you and I knew that, and we, we knew that coming in, and I think we even talked about it, but the fact that he was able to break a big one. So it wasn't just, I thought maybe Trevor Lawrence was going to come into the game, he'd pick up some third and twos with his legs. That wasn't about that. That was about when Ohio State, when those linebackers abandoned their responsibility, Lawrence beat them for 20 yards, 50 yards. Sure, yeah, and, and, and he had the longest run of his life, I believe, of his career including high school with the 67. I think his longest run to date was 64. Um, so I think, I think that's his longest run ever. Um, of course, it couldn't be on a bigger schedule. And don't, don't hold me to that. That was a text message I got from somebody at Clemson yesterday. But, um, but here's the thing, Smitty. You, you and I have had the ability to see Trevor at practice. So we know what kind of speed he has. Now, sometimes that doesn't translate into a game. Because you could have a track star. I mean, Usain Bolt could be at practice, and, but then you put him on the football field and he can't do anything. You know, so sometimes speed doesn't necessarily translate unless the situation is correct for them to use that speed. And so what Ohio State doing by bailing their, um, their middle linebackers, by bailing them into coverage, and we, they were seeing that over and over and over, and then seeing you know, Chase Young just going hard off the edge I mean, just trying to that speed edge rush all yep. game long. Then all of a sudden the situation lends itself to where they go, okay, the next time we're in a situation to where we know they're going to bail those linebackers, we're going to see what Trevor can do in open field. And I don't know that <laughs> – I think it probably surprised him. I mean, the fact that he was outrunning the Ohio State DBs, nobody really saw that coming. I mean, we knew he was fast. We knew he had wheels. But all we have really seen is exactly what you just said. We've seen the, the third and sixes where he picks up 10 yards. Yep. We've, seen the, we've seen the second and threes where he picks up seven or eight yards. We haven't seen 67 yards tiptoeing down the sideline, high-stepping Dion into the end zone, you know, with, with DBs trying to chase him down. We haven't seen that yet. But we probably haven't seen it because they haven't had to do it. Okay, I mean, you've got to think, when is the last time that we've had to have Trevor run the ball in the fourth quarter down, you know, losing this year? And the answer is, you haven't. You haven't seen it. And so it was an opportunity to where not only have we not seen it, 
guess who hadn't seen it on film? Ohio State. They haven't seen it on film either. So they weren't prepared for it. And I think that was the beauty of being able to have certain plays in the repertoire that you had not had to use yet, that on a stage like that, then you pull out all the stops and, you know, you go for the win. You know, Will, last time we were talking about this, we, we were just talking about living in the golden age for Clemson. Yeah. Like the, What I said was like 1981, five years in a row for Clemson fans. So what, yeah. what do you think about this win? Because I, I thought this one is – you know, maybe the biggest win in Clemson history may be the, the championship last year because of the way it was. But it, for a non-national championship, this is a pretty big one. I don't, Smitty, I don't know that it gets any bigger. I think that every game gets bigger. You know, and I, I know that sounds, that sounds hard to identify, but I, I really believe when you have a 29-game winning streak and you're playing for your second national championship in a row, four national championship appearances in five years, you, you read those stats and you read them in the paper and you almost believe like it's a Hollywood script. Like, it, doesn't, it almost doesn't seem real. And here's what I'm afraid of. And you and I have talked about this before off the air. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of getting complacent with success. And, and I know that is so, such a selfish and arrogant thing to say. And I know even when it comes out of my mouth right now, Smitty, it sounds arrogant. <laughs> okay? But it, there is a tendency at times, and I think that Alabama's fan base went through this. Yep. You almost got fatigued with winning. And, and who could ever get fatigued with winning? Well, well, you know we'll, we'll take 10 seconds to think about this. The ACC championship game isn't that big a deal anymore. And that's, that, that's, what, that's what Clemson has left in the dust. That's what the kind of game that Clemson and success they've left behind them now, where the ACC championship isn't even that big a deal. The barometer has been set not on high – the barometer set in universal land now. Like, it's, if you don't make the college football playoff, it's a failure of a season. Yep. Now, you think about that. When the college football playoff started, how many times do you think that a Clemson fan or a fan base would say, well, here we go again. I'm going to go ahead and buy my tickets to Glendale, Arizona in week three because I know that's where we're going to be. Well, you know, I, well, I think a lot of fans, uh, you know, obviously I don't have numbers on this, I think there were plenty of fans that didn't go to Arizona because they were, they were holding out for New Orleans. They could only afford one trip. You're talking to one. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and I could have gone out there you know, and, and hung out with my guys and, and, and probably had an unbelievable time. But you know, I had an opportunity to see people that I haven't seen in a long time, and, 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 and I chose to watch the game instead of be there. Because I had already talked to people in New Orleans about where I was going to stay when I go down there. Lawrence took a peek downfield, had a lot of room, and breaks a tackle, and is still running. Lawrence in a foot race. Will they catch him? Touchdown, Tigers! Wow! A game-changing play. Welcome back to the Locked On Clemson podcast, part of the Locked On podcast Network. You know, I've been singing the praises of Isaiah Simmons all season long, and I was waiting for him to make a big play in a big moment that would 
sort of justify all the praise that I've heaped on Isaiah Simmons. Now, I know most football analysts already know that. Most Clemson fans already know that. But it was pretty nice for Isaiah Simmons to get some praise on the national level. Cole Kubelik, former Auburn offensive lineman, had a lot to say about Isaiah Simmons, especially spinning it forward to the role he may play in the national championship game. I didn't know if Ohio State had seen a team as athletic or that had as much speed as Clemson. How are they going to react to that? How are they going to handle that? And I tell you, Scotty, we saw everything in this game. Everything. We saw big plays, explosive plays. Here's the thing that people forget, because all the star power coming into this game uh-huh. was on offense. Right. All the stars on offense. These are top two defenses in college football. This young man right here is going to be the difference maker against LSU if they're going to find a way to beat Joe Burrow. Isaiah Simmons. He plays everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Starts with number one, double number one. Number 11, Isaiah Simmons. He's lined up as a middle field safety. Comes all the way over to the sideline to intercept this football. This is a young man that can play outside linebacker. He can blitz off the edge. He can line up over the slot. He can cover the tight end and man-to-man situations. Joe Burrow and LSU will exploit mismatches. I don't know if there's a better example of that than what we saw today from Joey B. Isaiah Simmons will help them counter some of those mismatches. And Isaiah Simmons is absolutely a mismatch all unto himself. And he will neutralize some of what LSU wants to do. But will it be enough? I know we're in celebration mode here as Clemson heads to the national championship yet again, looking for number four, looking for back-to-back, looking for win number 30. But let's take just a second to spin it forward, see what Will has to say about LSU and how impressive they were in their victory over Oklahoma. Well, first of all, my, my initial take is simply I knew LSU would win the ball game. I watched Oklahoma play all year long, and I, I'm a fan of Lincoln Riley. I am. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Jalen Hurts. I think he's humble. I think he's passionate about the game. I think he's got all the intangibles of every type of college football player you would ever want on your team. However, I did not think Oklahoma had any type of defense to match up with LSU. I thought it was probably the weakest matchup in a college football uh, matchup that we've seen in a while. Um, maybe even a little bit more lopsided than the Clemson-Notre Dame um, matchup, yeah. which I knew Clemson was going to blow them out. Um, but to hang 60-something points on a team that was going to pride themselves on erasing a lot of the wrongs from yesteryear, um, that was just absolutely unbelievable. Now, Burrow, is a, he, he's, a different, he's a different breed of football player. He is a um, – he's just a different breed, man. He, I've never seen a guy when a – I mean, really, the only guy comparing to is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, and I hate to say that because it, it almost sounds like I'm just, you know, pumping up Clemson again. But I'm really I'm, – I'm just telling you, they, they're similar in the fact that they make things happen when there's nothing there to happen. And, and Burrow is one of those guys where the, when the play breaks down, I think LSU's in better shape. Yep. Because, I mean, he freelances better than anybody. Now, granted, they put him in, a, in, in really good positions and they got good players around him, but that LSU offensive line against Oklahoma's defensive line, that was like watching a high school team play a JV team. I mean, that offensive line of LSU just stonewalled Oklahoma's defensive line. I mean, there, there was no pressure. He was sitting back there. I mean, he could, he could have gone back there and made himself a PB&J and got him a glass of lemonade and had a little picnic, and then throw on the football. I mean, he had so much time. It was, to me, it was ridiculous. Um, 
And if Clemson doesn't get to Burrow, man, it's going to be a long night uh, down in Louisiana. So, um, but I think they will. I think Clemson's got better athletes. I think they've got better schemes. I think they've got better blitz packages. But my knee-jerk reaction is LSU is for real. And I would like to take just 10 seconds and just say how horrible I feel for Coach E, uh, yeah. Coach Hensminger. Um, you know, he was my offensive coordinator at Clemson um, uh, when I first got there, and I loved Coach Hensminger, and I uh, got to know him very well. Um, did not know Carly McCord, um, but just the horrific news I saw on the Today Show this morning where, um, you know, they're investigating the crash now, but I just can't even imagine how he coached that football game after hearing about his daughter-in-law um, dying, you know, just some hours before kickoff. But um, my thoughts and prayers are with the whole Insminger family. I just I can't even imagine what they're going through. That was a tragedy that befell LSU as LSU's offensive coordinator's daughter-in-law was killed in a plane crash. As we get more details on that, we'll certainly – bring those to you here on the Locked on Clemson podcast. We'll be back tomorrow as we start to spin it forward. Look toward LSU. We've got Taj Boyd lined up. We've got LaVon Kirkland lined up. And we have got plenty to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Also, we'll start covering Clemson hoops a little more closely when we join you again. Right now, we'll leave you with the final words of Dabo Sweeney as Clemson displayed the heart of a champion just like... He knew they would. It's our 29th win in a row. We scored 29 points. They didn't do anything tonight that I didn't already know. Unbelievable character and heart and a will to win. And that's the one thing I told them is they can prepare for what we do but not who we are. Our heart would win out in the end. 94-yard drive to win it. We got to stop right there. And let me just tell you, Ohio State was amazing. What an amazing team, an amazing challenge, but this football team tonight showed what the heart of a champion looks like. To win 29 in a row, you got to have something to you, and you saw what they're made of tonight. Unbelievable game. Probably got some pretty good ratings on TV, but let me just tell you, to God be the glory, every single bit of it. I want you to take me inside what you were thinking when the final pass was in the air, headed toward your end zone, win or lose, and Nolan Turner makes a play. Well, I'll tell you exactly what I was thinking. I told Nolan right, right after we scored, I said, that's why you don't put your head down. It ain't over. And I said, you're going to get the winning, you're going to get the interception to win this game. That's what I told him. So I was looking for him to make the interception. <laughs>